Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Meetups with Mediators, a podcast brought to you by the Columbus Bar Association. I'm your host, Veronica Cravener. This is a podcast for both mediators and attorneys who represent clients at mediation. The goal is to provide takeaways to help you make your next mediation your best mediation. Today's topic is co-resolution, and I'm so excited for today's guest, Nate Wicken, to talk about it. For those of you in the Central Ohio area, I'm sure Nate will be a very familiar voice. Uh, Nate Wicken was a solo practice attorney and mediator in Marion, Ohio for nine years. He served as secretary, vice president, and two-term president of the Ohio Mediation Association. He recently graduated from Georgetown with a Master of Public Policy and launched a think tank startup called Outside Innovation Institute. And I should also add, uh, Nate and I graduated from law school together at Ohio State University Moritz College of Law. So, hey, Nate, I am so thrilled uh, that you're here today. Thank you for coming on Meetups with Mediators, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Good to reconnect. Uh, Like you said, we go way back. I know, I know. And I I think over the years, we've... um, run into each other at various like ADR events and, and I'm so thrilled that I'm so thrilled that you're on the show today. Likewise. So yeah. Yeah. So with co-resolution, I'm so excited to talk about it today and for our listeners. Um, so I should share. So Nate, you've been working on this for several years now. And I know um, a few years ago, I actually went to one of your presentations and it was really awesome And I should also share with our listeners, so co-resolution is not mediation. It's actually a newer dispute resolution process that you created yourself. And I think whether you are a mediator who is looking to expand dispute resolution services that you offer, or if you're an attorney who's considering various ADR processes to refer your clients to, and you're sort of wondering, hey, when do I use mediation? And maybe when do I use something else like co-resolution? I think um, you'll find this episode to be interesting. So, hey, let's get right to it. So, Nate, why don't you tell us about um, co-resolution? How does it work? All right. So, co-resolution is a negotiation-based dispute resolution process. It's kind of like mediation or conflict coaching, and it uses the same foundational skills, uh, but it is an entirely different process. It's not a type of mediation. Uh, So co-resolution is a system of conflict coaching relationships that guide the negotiation to make sure that it's as cooperative and optimal as possible. And I describe it in like three elements. So first is... Uh, co-resolution is offered by two conflict coaches or co-resolvers, as they can be called, who act as one unit. They're, they come to the dispute together and they leave together and they have an ongoing uh, future relationship. And so the result of this future relationship is that the co-resolvers are, have an ongoing incentive to cooperate uh, because they don't want to allow lying or bad faith arguments to, you know, pollute their ongoing relationship. They really need to keep uh, their interactions cooperative. And the second aspect of co-resolution is that because both disputants receive the benefit of a personal 
negotiation coach, each will do better in the negotiation by listening to their co-resolver. And because the co-resolvers are, uh, have this ongoing incentive to be cooperative, then both disputants will do better by heeding their cooperative um, advice. So that means that if you and I are disputants in co-resolution, I know that it is within your best interest to cooperate because you're getting the, uh, the benefit of the assistance of a cooperative negotiation coach. And so then uh, some attorneys may, you know, wonder like, hey, if this ongoing relationship between the coaches is so close, isn't that going to undercut their loyalty to their assigned disputants? And that leads to the third aspect of co-resolution. And that is that unlike with attorneys, one disputant in co-resolution can fire not only their own coach, but the other side's coach as well, simply by walking away from the process. So co-resolution is a voluntary negotiation. It's a negotiation-focused process. So if one party feels ganged up on by both coaches, they can just you know terminate the process. And as a result of that, each coach has a, uh, a present incentive to make sure that their disputant is as comfortable and supported as possible. So that's co-resolution in a nutshell. Uh, I first published the idea in 2008 and I've been working on it and training people and it's been a, an entire uh, wild ride and I'm glad it's <laughs> led up to like this podcast. So cool. Yeah, very cool. And I, I like, and I should share with our listeners. So you and I had the chance um, before today's recording just to chat a little bit about co-resolution. And I really like how it's based around this cooperative process. So like, you know, and the coaching process too, um, with the negotiation coaching, because, you know, I'll just share just based on like my previous experiences in mediation, um, Sometimes I've had situations where, you know, I've found myself thinking, gee, I would really love to be able to like give some pointers <laughs> to this party just in terms of um, how they are presenting an offer, like what sort of word choice they're using, the timing of the offer. And that's something where I, as a mediator, because, you know, I, I've got to be neutral, right? Um, I felt like I couldn't cross that line. And, and the other thing I'll, I'll touch on too is I've also found myself as a mediator, even after I give like an introduction and let people know like, hey, I'm not making a decision. Um, I'm not going to say who's right or who's wrong. Like sometimes I've found that folks will still sort of approach the mediation as if it's like a hearing where they're trying to prove something. So um, I think that's really great how, you know, your co-resolution process from the very beginning is based on this cooperative process and also uh, coaching on negotiation. Yeah. And I think you're, you touched on one of the things that led me to uh, try to create co-resolution. And that is uh, like the sense in mediation that you could tell these disputants like better ways to 
present uh, their ideas or better ways to listen to, to the other side. And it's difficult in mediation because of impartiality uh, that you can't, you know, basically be going to one side and saying, you need to be doing this and go to the other side and you need to try this thing and going back and forth. Uh, I, I wouldn't think that parties would find that to be uh, all that trust building. And of course, there's a lot of, uh, you know, guidance about mediators uh, being impartial, like mediators should certainly be impartial. Um, and uh, so co-resolution, you know, gets around, you know, that by giving each side a coach that is assigned to focus on their perspective so it's like, if I am your coach, I'm going to be trying to figure out what is the best way to, you know, really bring out, uh, you know, what you want from this negotiation and really be able to sell that perspective to the other side. Like that would be my focus as your coach. And, you know, you, you can't, you don't really, you know, even if you could do that ethically as a mediator, you wouldn't have the bandwidth to do it on both sides of, of, right. the, of the dispute. And then as to your, to your second point about the disputants trying to win over the mediator, treat him as like a, an arbitrator or judge. Yeah. In, in co-resolution, if a disputant comes at you and says, you know, this is why I think I should win this. The co-resolver is like, listen, I'm on, I'm on your side. I, I hear you loud and clear. Now, how are we going to get the other side to hear and accept and understand this? So it's uh, yeah, it allows for that kind of, natural facilitation to, to happen. Well, very cool. And so I'm wondering just so that our listeners can kind of get a visual in their minds, like with co-resolution. So who's doing most of the talking? Is it the co-resolvers talking to each other? Um, is it like that disputants? but you know, their co-resolver is kind of giving them some tips on what to say, how to say it. Like, how does that all work logistically? All right. So co-resolution logistically is very similar to mediation. And as, as I've actually applied it, it we, you know, we're in mediation programs for the most part. Uh, and you, you know, you walk into the room with the disputants, you explain to them that we are a team of coaches, I'm going to be assigned to represent party A. My partner here will be assigned to represent party B. Uh, and then after you go through like an opening statement, that, like you would as a mediator, explaining the process, explaining what's expected, then each coach sits next to their, uh, next to their dispute. And so you go from like being at the head of the table to being on either side. And then you run it, you know, pretty much like a mediation. You ask, you know, each coach would ask their own disputant, okay, so what brings us uh, to co-resolution today? And then you allow for a back and forth. As for who does most of the talking, uh, ideally the parties do do more of the talking. And it's it was my experience that in co-resolution, uh, because the co-resolvers are like trained negotiation coaches, they know what tends to work well in negotiation, what doesn't, they tend to play whatever role they're needed to play in a negotiation. So if you have a quiet party that needs, you know, their voice to be kind of pulled out, you do a lot, you do a lot more prompting as the coach. Um, and sometimes 
because you can also caucus in co-resolution and each party goes and, you know, talks to their own coach, you know, you can prepare them and get a sense of how much they want to, to talk. So there will be certain issues that my disputant will say, I don't want to, to raise this. Can you, you know, be the one to like bring this up? Um, so there will be some times where the coach is asked to give voice to something, but for the most part, uh, you know, the coaches are really just trying to react to the situation to try to create the best, you know, negotiation possible, something that's going to maintain their ongoing, uh, you know, working relationship as coaches and also something that's going to keep each of their disputants feeling comfortable. So yeah, great question. Hmm. Very interesting. And so I'm also curious, you mentioned at the outset that the coaches are sort of like the coaches are a unit and Mm -hmm. the parties either um, use those coaches or don't. So if one disputant doesn't like the other party's coach, I think you mentioned like they can, they can fire that coach basically. Right. Mm -hmm. So under co-resolution, say uh, disputant, they pick their coach at the outset, but then maybe like, you know, halfway into co-resolution, they realize, eh, I'm not really clicking with this coach. Maybe I actually want to switch to the other coach. Like, like does co-resolution allow for that? Can parties switch sort of midway? Yeah, not, I, I would recommend against it. Um, yeah. Like it's, it, it's been in my, it's, it, it was in my experience that, uh, you know, first of all, co-resolution allows for a quicker build of uh, trust and support than, you know, uh, in mediation where like one mediator is going back and forth and trying to build rapport with, uh, you know, with, with each side kind of, you know, off and on with, um, with co-resolution, I found that like parties to, you know, the types of high conflict disputes that should be going to co-resolution, like they, they need support. Like if you tell them like, Hey, I'm here to coach you, they say, all right, you know, let's, let's go. Um, so we haven't, uh, I I've never had a party asked to switch there uh, okay. er, early on in my application of the process. What, what we would do is we would flip a coin every time to assign the, uh, the coach just to kind of show like, Hey, this is fair through randomization. But we found that parties really didn't, you know, like appreciate that. They didn't really show a lot of uh, value in it. So because for the most part, my uh, partner co-resolver was a woman and we were doing custody cases where you'd have uh, every time we we did it, you had a a father and a a, a mother. I would always represent the the dads as, you know, the the male. She would represent the moms as a female. And we just found that that uh, allowed for better kind of better rapport building because there were, there were some cases where like I'd be representing the mom and we, you know, I just couldn't get her to, you know, really, you know, trust me. And I, you know, and and I completely get that. And that's why we, you know, decided to, to just always say like, by the way, I'm going to be representing the father. My partner is going to be representing the mother. And again, the parties didn't question that. And to your point, they didn't ask to, to switch after the process started. That's interesting. And that's actually a really great segue to what I was, I was going to ask you next. So, um, you know, 
so you're an attorney and a mediator, and now you're focusing on co-resolution. You know, as you think about your experiences as a mediator versus now focusing on co-resolution, I mean, is it the high conflict disputes? Are those the ones that you think are most appropriate for co-resolution? Or what's your take when you kind of assess like, oh, under what circumstances, you know, would I lean towards mediation and what would I lean towards co-resolution? Yeah, 100%. I, great question. Uh, yeah, like ideally, uh, you know, dispute resolution practitioners would have a toolbox of, you know, different things that they would be able to offer different disputes based on, you know, their, their different needs. So like a standard case that would be able to be resolved with mediation should probably do mediation because, you know, an, an extra coach is, you know, just extra expense. And if it's, if the case is going to get resolved anyways, then, you know, just use mediation. Uh, but if there's a case where, the, uh, you know, a mediator would look at it or people screening in uh, a mediation service would look at, at, at it and say, this is, is probably going to blow up in mediation or it's going to be a very difficult mediation, then that's a time where a dispute resolution professional would want to bring in a, you know, the, the other dispute resolution professional as a coach. So the people that I know that are using co-resolution are not offering it exclusively. They offer, you know, mediation and, you know, maybe parent coaching and also co-resolution. So people come to them and they assess their needs and they provide, uh, you know, services that are, that are based on that. And then this also goes towards, you know, how attorneys, cause you, you mentioned I'm, I'm also an attorney, how, how attorneys would offer this. And, you know, as an attorney, sometimes a case will come to you and you'll say, this needs to be litigated. We need this in front of a judge. We need to file papers. Um, and that's, you know, the, the clear, you know, need in, in that particular case, but there are a lot of cases uh, and this is why a lot of, uh, you know, legal cases end up resolving in negotiation. There's a lot of cases that, that come to attorneys that, you know, aren't going to be a, a great, you know, court case. It's going to be something where each side is somewhat at fault or there's not clear legal issues. There may be more personal issues at play. Mm -hmm. And that's where you as an attorney would say, hey, this, you know, you've got a very difficult situation. I understand that, you know, this is going to be a heartbreaking, you know, litigation case. It's going to involve a good deal of risk. Why don't we try, you know, something else? And that's where, you know, attorneys, you know, may offer mediation, but, you know, with co-resolution, you can also offer that for the difficult cases that are based more on personal issues or emotional issues um, or things that really should be, resolved in negotiation because as, as an attorney, once you, uh, you know, once you, you know, if you, if you know the case is going to be negotiated, uh, once you file a, you know, a lawsuit lawsuit, then you don't know who the opponent or who the opposing, uh, advocate is going to be. Whereas in, in co-resolution, you can say like, listen, I've got this other coach. They can coach the other side. I'll coach you. We, we have a good working relationship. 
and we've tended to, you know, be cooperative in how we handle things. So if you want a cooperative process, then, you know, that this is the alternative you have for that. But then going back to the initial point, yeah, there are some other cases where you, cases where you say, I don't think cooperation is going to work here. We've got to, we've got to litigate. That's interesting. And I know you've mentioned to me before, I know you did a pilot project where you actually tested this out. Uh, can you share the details of that with our listeners? Yeah, uh, would love to. So, so I, I initially uh, published the idea of co-resolution in a 2008 issue of Conflict Resolution Quarterly. I spoke ab- about it at several uh, ACR conferences and later one AFCC conference, like the, the national conferences. And um, as I was you know, trying to like gather attention towards this, I found someone in the Franklin County Domestic Relations Mediation Program, or like a couple people who were uh, at least open to, you know, trying this out. And so from 2012 to 2014, uh, we did this like unofficial pilot project where uh, I volunteered my time. I was practicing like an an hour away, living in an hour away from Columbus, but I would um, drive in once a month and do, you know, one or two cases that were screened as being high conflict. So uh, the person, you know, running the the program, Mario Coleman, who I'm greatly indebted to, uh, you know, was open to this and allowed uh, me and Susan Shostak, uh, who was also a former board member of the Ohio Mediation Association and a, like a career mediator. Uh, they basically allowed us, uh, allowed me to kind of tag on t- to Susan's high conflict uh, cases. And we would uh, approach the parties, like I said, as a team of coaches. We describe our roles to them uh, at the head of the table. And, uh, you know, then we'd, you know, I'd sit next to the dads, she'd sit next to the moms, and we would, you know, just start facilitating a negotiation just like we would in mediation, except that each of us is focused on bringing out the best in our respective assigned disputants. So the uh, the things that I got away from that, um, you know, just from my own perspective, is that each each coach was really focused on their own uh, disputant. So I would be very much so focused on how comfortable my disputant was and how much their perspective was, was being brought out. But at the same time, I would always uh, like having my peripheral vision with Susan was uh, you know, how she was reacting and um, you know, how she would be responding to the things we'd be saying so um, you really get to learn about the other side and you can trust that, you know, I could trust that my coach isn't going to be like leading me astray or, uh, you know, facilitating any kind of unfair negotiation behavior. So if, you know, if she was pumping the brakes on something, I would know, hey, this is something that, you know, should have have the brakes pumped a bit. Uh 
And so, uh, yeah, and like I said earlier, the disputants really uh, accepted the the coach role. They didn't question it. They didn't say, well, hey, you guys are, you know, going to work together in, in the future. What does that say about how you're going to be helping me as an individual? They just, you know, they liked the fact that they were going to have uh, someone who's telling them how best to, you know, present their perspectives and how to, you know, really listen into like what the other side is, is saying, really learn from, uh, from the stuff coming from the other side. And so then, uh, so that's my qualitative, I guess, uh, reaction to all of it. My quantitative reaction to it is we took, uh, post surveys, uh, for each case that asked the disputants among other things to rate their own co-resolver on a scale of like one to five, five being the best and to rate the opposing co-resolver from one to five uh, with one being the worst, five being the best. And from those about 20 cases, 20 plus cases uh, on average disputants rated their own co-resolver at 4.8 out of five. So like good, generally like good, uh, you know, uh, you know, compared to how, you know, Google reviews and Google businesses, 4.8 out of, out of five is good. Uh, but then the interesting thing is that the disputants uh, rated the opposing co-resolver, like the person who's helping their, you know, the opponent in the negotiation, they rated them 4.6 out of five on average, which is still good, but it's, n- I mean, it's not as good. So they, they saw the distinction. They saw that on average, they saw the, the distinction that their, you know, co-resolver, t- you know, tends to be more favorable. Uh, but the other side isn't as bad as, you know, if you had like an opposing, a, an, a, an opposing attorney, someone that's like entirely out to, you know, exploit any weaknesses or to, uh, you know, get, get what they can from you. You actually have like a, an understanding that the other side is being fair is kind of how I interpreted that. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and to me, as you go over the ratings for both their own coach and the opposing coach, I mean, to me, that's really telling, like they're only, you know, point, they're only two tenths of a point apart. Um, But I I almost wonder, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that, part of the benefit of the co-resolvers is because they are using this process dispute after dispute after dispute that the co-resolvers themselves develop a rapport where as they're doing each dispute, they're able to kind of pick up on cues from each other that sort of lets the other know like, Hey, wait, maybe I shouldn't press this issue. Maybe we need to slow down. Maybe we need to caucus, whatever the case may be that, I almost wonder like how much that um, collaborative relationship impacts like these overall scores just from the disputants themselves. That's, that's a good point. You know, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't like thought to, to make that argument as, you know, as forcefully, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I should say that, uh, you know, this is a a small sample size. uh, So I would have, you know, to be able to like publish in like a peer reviewed journal, we'd probably need, you know, more, you know, more people doing this and a greater frequency to be able to, you know, have, have more data. 
but uh, but yeah, that's that's a that's a good point that if the overall relationship is good between the coaches and if they're able to allow that to seep into mm-hmm. how the disputants are interacting with each other, then there would be an overall positive, uh, you know, a, a positive reaction to the entire process. So yeah, the the entire like point of co-resolution is to take this, uh, you know, this good working relationship between the two coaches, something that, uh, you know, develops over time. And in my experience, it, you know, it did take, you know, uh, you know, a couple of, of cases to like get, you know, get an understanding. And, and towards the end of the, uh, the cases that I was doing with Susan, we were getting like better and better. Uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that we can only, you know, I could only do this one afternoon a month. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a neat thing where, you have this naturally good relationship between uh, two coaches that are always working together. And that then really sets the tone and uh, really influences how the disputants feel about the process. They, they feel that it's safer and trusting and, uh, or at least that's, that's kind of, you know, that was my interpretation of how people were, um, and, um, yeah, and, you know, we can't, I, I can't say that, uh, you know, me, that those particular cases wouldn't have been like different in mediation. I didn't have like, uh, you know, we weren't doing like, uh, randomization and counterfactuals and whatnot, but it did present a lot of promise as a process, uh, that has, you know, really the best of both worlds between like mediation and, uh, you know, like legal, advocacy and negotiation where you have someone who's really focused on you and really giving you, you know, the benefit of their professional experience as a negotiator uh, and mixing that also with these kind of guardrails of uh, cooperation and this kind of understanding that the, the two coaches are going to be working together in the future. So there's going to be a limit of what they are each willing to do in terms of like how hard they will, um, you know, push certain things or the types of uh, strategies they take in the negotiation. So you have, you know, the comfort of a personal advocate, but also uh, this kind of greater trust from knowing that these, these coaches are, you know, working together uh, exclusively in this process, you know, in the, in the long term. Yeah. And now I know with your pilot, it was focused on domestic relations issues. Mm-hmm. Now, is that, is that like the primary area where you're hoping that co-resolution gets applied more broadly, or, I mean, are there other types of disputes that you think co-resolution would be effective for? Sure. So uh, just within my wheelhouse, since I practiced, you know, mostly domestic relations and criminal defense uh, law. uh, Yeah. I mean, co-resolution is is great for domestic relations because domestic relations cases often involve like a, a emotional or communicative part. And the really great thing about domestic relations 
compared to other processes or sorry, compared to other types of cases is that in domestic relations cases, the parties have an ongoing relationship. So it does, it doesn't make a lot of sense for two people who are going to be in each other's lives for years and years and years, uh, especially when they have kids as were all of the, the cases we were, we were uh, negotiating. It doesn't make sense for each, uh, each party to have a coach or advocate that is only, you know, that, that is only focused on like the present, you know, situation. You kind of want a coach who is thinking about the long-term, you know, re- repercussions of, of actions in this particular negotiation. So it's, it's great for domestic relations, but I would argue that co-resolution could be applied to, uh, you know, any type of, um, any type of dispute that's not something like criminal defense where, you know, one of the parties is the, the state, uh, you know, there are some things where you need to have like attorneys be able to, to, to handle, handle the the cases. But, uh, uh, but yeah, if, if there's any kind of civil case, anything that is based on, uh, you know, communication and, you know, the other thing is like, ideally the ideal situation in, in most cases would be that the parties would have attorneys who would be advising them on the bounds of what a court would likely do and giving them legal advice so that they know what's likely to happen if negotiation doesn't work. But then they would also have co-resolvers who actually handle all of the, the negotiation. So it doesn't make sense to, you know, pay a, you know, a trained attorney who's focused on litigation to focus on negotiation and pay like a high hourly rate to, you know, to do negotiation that's mostly based on communication issues and some emotions and and that kind of stuff. It would make more sense to have the attorneys focus on what they do best, which is, you know, predicting what a court will do, advising their clients uh, about their, the, the likely outcomes of litigation. And then the disputants taking that information and being able to negotiate based on, you know, broader issues, if those are a big part of, of the case. Hmm. And, and that, I guess, brings up, really just answers the next question I was going to ask. So um, the other thing it sounds like is, you know, in terms of co-resolution, this is not just something for unrepresented parties, that you believe that this is something that um, is also effective and probably more effective uh, if you have represented parties, because then those represented parties can get that legal advice from their counsel. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that there, there may be attorneys that would look at co-resolution and say, hold on, this looks a little bit like what I do. And, you know, there may be some, some ethical issues with that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there are other types of negotiation advocacy. You don't have to be an, 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 uh, an attorney to negotiate, you know, any, any conflict. There are, you know, conflict coaches, real estate agents, sports agents, business people, like you, you can be an expert at negotiation and not be an attorney. And being an, being an attorney doesn't make you an expert at negotiation. So, uh, 
you know, and again, you could have attorneys that also do co-resolution and it's really about, you know, picking the best process for any, any given case. So if, if a negotiation were, were based entirely on, you know, leveraging the strengths of a legal case, then that should be negotiated by attorneys. So that's the type of negotiation that, that attorneys should be doing. If everything is just, you know, I think a judge is going to, you know, award us $10,000. So, you know what, I'll settle for $8,000. Like that's, you need an attorney to be able to do that type of negotiation, but you know, anything, anything other than that, things that are based on communication strategies, uh, trying to understand the other side, appeal to their interests that may be able to be more efficiently done, uh, by co-resolvers. And, and again, you know, this is, you know, co-resolution is something that mediators could offer in, in high conflict cases or that attorneys could offer in cases that, you know, don't seem to be all that great for, for litigation. Um, and, you know, you could really have, you know, different people doing different things in, in any given case. So it would be less, less on the shoulders of the, the attorneys to do everything. And, uh, it's that kind of unwinding of, uh, of legal, uh, legal roles that is kind of part of the overall, you know, ADR movement. Yeah, I got you. Very cool. And, and so can you sort of um, bring us up to today? Like where is, you know, what's currently ho- happening with co-resolution? Where are you at today? Awesome. So, uh, so yeah, where we are today is, you know, like I said, I've, uh, I've written about co-resolution. I put it out there. Uh, practitioners have kind of popped up in different places. Like if there was uh, a guy that was using co-resolution to negotiate uh, labor disputes in a very large school district in Canada, in British Columbia. Um, and, you know, I think it, I've, I've had people, you know, ask about it, uh, you know, for, from time to time. And in terms of what, what I did is, uh, you know, I was really trying to get people uh, to do co-resolution around, you know, from like 2012 to uh, 2016, uh, I was, I trained about 50 people in central Ohio and uh, we were, we were having reg- regular practice sessions and, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, I think everyone may have been like waiting for, you know, co-resolution to kind of like tip into practice. Like they were waiting for judges and court officials to, you know, know about co-resolution for, you know, for clients to ask about it. And, you know, unfortunately, it is difficult to be kind of the first one through the breach or the first one, you know, through the wall, uh, because you have to, you know, carry this and explain it to people and try to, you know, to get people practicing it. So there are, there are, you know, a handful of people in central Ohio that are still, you know, offering it on their, on their websites is one of the things that they do, uh, one in particular, Amy Armstrong, uh, is, uh, you know, a big advocate for it. So, uh, she's, she regularly does, uh, co-resolution cases with, uh, with people in, in her shop, it's my understanding. 
but uh, but otherwise, I ended up getting a bit distracted with doing a bunch of other other ideas as well. So co-resolution isn't like the only thing that I've I've come up with, and I had you know all of these other projects, and it was you know one of the reasons I went and got the you know this master of public policy recently is to follow up on on these other other things. So right now, co-resolution is, and this is like an, could be an exciting thing for your listeners you know, co-resolution is, you know, out there for ADR practitioners to be able to, uh, to, you know, take it across, across the threshold. So, you know, if you are a, you know, mediator or attorney or parent coach, and, you know, this role seems kind of intuitive to you, or you'd like to, you know, learn more or offer it, you know, I've got, you know, information online and, you know, you can always reach out to me and, you know, if you can convince, you know, court officials to, to consider this, then it is, or even just, you know, clients on a, on a case by case basis, uh, you know, you could be one of the pioneers in, you know, tipping this thing into practice and just like, you know, uh, collaborative law or, you know, any of these other types of ADR, you know, processes, they didn't start from, you know, some Harvard law professor saying, this is what should happen. And then a bunch of judges saying, yes, it should be what happens. It starts from practitioners from the bottom up saying, hey, you know, we could be doing this better. And here's an idea. Let's try it out. And, you know, then those people become the uh, early practitioners and later the trainers and you know, the advocates for it. And so that's where, that's where co-resolution is right now. So uh, as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I have this uh, website outside innovation.org. That's a, like a think tank startup. Uh, and we are in the uh, like working out of the garage stage of the startup. So uh, trying to get, hey, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. You got to yeah, start exactly. somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is like, you know, it's, it's an exciting time in that way. Um, so yeah, there's, there's potential for anybody to be a, you know, a, uh, an important player in this. And I feel like at some point, I don't know if you still have it. Didn't you write a book or a manual or something about co-resolution? Do you, Am I remembering that right? Yes, you are. You did your research. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. In it was like uh, the summer of 2009. Uh, yeah. I, I wrote a, it's like a 90 page PDF with like illustrations to, you know, explain the idea of co-resolution and these kind of broader things around it. So, you know, that's, that's still available. Um, you know, I did, uh, I, I tried to do a webinar like right before, like it was, it was really mistimed in that it was, you know, it was within, it was like 2016, but zoom wasn't as, you know, kind of prevalent as it is now. So we did, you know, we had some like technical uh, issues that prevented us from really being able to have a, a broader reach, but we, we did have some interest from like other States. And so I can still do, you know, trainings for, for people that uh, are interested or provide information for people that want to kind of 
try to learn learn more on their own. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the, there's a there's a good bit your listeners can do if they're if they're interested. Well, very cool, very cool. Well, and um, I should plug what's the what's the website address for your think tank startup outside innovation. Yeah. Yes. How Out- can others connect? Yeah. yeah. www.outsideinnovation.org. And you can email me at nate at outsideinnovation.org. Uh, and it's not outsideinnovation.com or dot, you know, other things. I think there's, it, it's, it's somewhat of a, of a popular <laughs> business name, I guess. But, yeah. Uh, so remember the dot org when you're yeah. typing in that, when you're typing in that website address. Yes. Well, very cool. Very cool. Well, Nate, this has been so much fun catching up and I'm so excited to hear about your think tank startup. And I'm so excited that you're still, that you're pushing forward with co-resolution. And yeah, this has been fun. Thank you for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. This is great. Well, that wraps up this episode of Meetups with Mediators. Let's make your next mediation your best mediation. Talk to you next time.